Attention men, are you wanting to break free from porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors, but finding it seemingly impossible to quit? If so, we can help. My name is Jonathan Darty, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for any man who wants to overcome any kind of unwanted sexual behavior. So whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful and proven intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Space is limited, so call us today at 210-822-8201 to register. That's 210-822-8201 or visit bebroken.org slash gtf. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Jonathan, and we actually have a, a friend from the north. We have a friend from Canada. We have Vern Tomke with us. And so, Vern, welcome to the program today. It's good to be here. I actually thought originally you guys were from Florida, but I found out you're from Texas, and I have my Dallas Cowboys shirt on today. So it's a sign that this is going to be a great podcast. You are representing and already we're friends, you know, because if you can <laughs> wear a Cowboy shirt and be, in, be a Canadian, I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome mix for us. Yeah, I'm a lonely guy up here. Yeah. Well, uh, listeners, we're going to have a great conversation with Vern today, especially relating to just Christian leaders and pornography and temptation and those kind of things. But before we dive into that, I just want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported program. So the only way that you're seeing us or hearing us is we've just been so grateful to those of you who've decided to partner with us in helping us to be able to produce these programs and distribute them all around the world. We've got listeners in over 150 countries around the world, and so we're grateful for how God has been expanding this ministry and bringing these this message of hope into places where uh, people are feeling hopeless. So if you'd like to come alongside and partner with us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link. Well, Vern, I would love for you to uh, kind of be able to just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, kind of how, how you've gotten to a place where you're having a conversation with somebody on the Pure Sex Radio uh, broadcast, and, and what, what maybe uh, qualifies you to talk a little bit about this idea of Christian leaders and pornography and temptation. So can you give us a little backstory to help us know who you are? Yeah, absolutely, Jonathan. You know, I'm a Canadian farm kid. I was born in a big family up here, southwest BC. And uh, I was born between two, chil um, two children. My older brother had some emotional struggles, uh, anxiety, nervousness, probably ADD. And my younger sister was born uh, crippled with club feet. And my mom and dad had a fairly fractured relationship. So I was one of these kids pretty much left to their own. Uh, Jonathan, a few weeks ago, you had a guy on talk about uh, seasons of life as children. And I was that number one child in terms of the bored child. Mm. And I, when I discovered uh, pornography, it was like an out-of-body experience. I, it was like I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. And it became my solace. It became my comfort it, where I went to when I was bored, when I was lonely. And it became a close friend. And uh, so I moved into my you know adolescence and you know, you know, was into porn. And then I had a, a spiritual experience and in my grade 11 year. And then I just kind of moved into buying, binging, and then purging my porn stash. But like a lot of, like a lot of teenagers and going into the twenties, I figured once I get married, I'm going to be good. 
Well, I got married to this great gal that I met at university, but guess what? Marriage didn't solve it. I mm-hmm. found myself struggling and, uh, you know, a couple of years in. And so then I figured, you know what? Uh, I'm going to start serving God. And I'd always had this call of God on my life. And so uh, I started out as a high school teacher, but then moved into serving God as a pastor. And I figured, well, you know, if I focus on serving God, um, then maybe I'll be able to get free from this addiction. And uh, lo and behold, that actually didn't help me. Um, I, I had periods where I was doing better than other times, but I struggled as a pastor periodically and then sometimes in a stronger way was still looking at porn. And so I went through my life as a pastor in this conflicted uh, place, having the call of God on my life, but also having the call of porn on my life as well. And then I hit my 40s and I hit this massive midlife crisis. My dad left my mom when he was 40. I turned 40 and uh, I was burnt out. We planted a church. I was bivocational. I was teaching. Um, I was depressed. And that was right around the time when high-speed internet hit the office. And so there I am alone at the office and uh, found myself back into high-speed, peer-to-peer downloading of movies. And so um, I call it my perfect storm. And that was in my 40s. Uh, You're wondering, well, where am I going? I'm close to 60 now. But uh, in these last five, six years, I've finally been able to, with some help from mentoring, uh, I've been in part of Brave Hearts with Michael Leahy, with, uh, you know, with Matt Dobshoots, some of his podcasts and chatting with him. I've, you know, it's taken me 30, 40 years of struggling in life before I've finally seen some traction. So I guess what qualifi- qualifies me is my own brokenness, my own struggle. Um, you know, in one sense, getting married didn't work, you know, didn't do it. Becoming a pastor didn't set me free. And I even found getting older hasn't set me free. It's only uh, in a concerted way, turning to the grace of God as found by other brothers and sisters that enabled me to find uh, in these last three or four years, a real consistent, a long-term period of freedom. So as I move towards 60, I really want to now work towards and help others, especially those who are pastoring, but just regular guys who are going, how do I get free? I'm hoping Unlike me, you don't have to be in your 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s um, and still have this as an embedded habit in your life. So that's a little bit of my story. Yeah, you know, one of the things I like about what you're saying that I think will take us a long time to figure out is that um, what tends to qualify us to actually help others is whatever our brokenness is. Absolutely. I think we, we start out with this mentality of saying, you know, we don't like the things that are forming out of our brokenness. And so the mentality is, is, well, I just need to become unbroken. I need to like get away from what's broken inside of me instead of realizing that there's a, there's a way that the grace of God intersects with that brokenness that produces healing, but then also it's from that place that you have the best qualification for actually helping somebody else who has a similar struggle. And I think it just takes a long time to get to a place where you kind of, if I can put it this way, you can sort of embrace the reality of your brokenness, not in a way that continues to say, I want to act out on it, but in a way that says, I'm weak. I don't have it all together. And you know what, this side of heaven, I'm not going to have it all figured out. You know, in a strange way, it almost, I think, 
<clears throat> so Cusick talks about the currency of heaven is brokenness. I love the name of your ministry, Be Broken Ministries. And when I saw the name of that, I knew that we were going to have a good connection because I wouldn't say it, it but well, I almost would say sometimes it has been a gift for me now to be able to connect with other men um, because of my own journey through brokenness. And I still walk with a limp. I still struggle on a regular basis. And so that is in one sense, doesn't disqualify me as yeah. long as I'm leaning into relationship and God's grace, it qualifies me. So let's talk about that a little bit in your own story. And then, then I'd love for us to kind of start talking about the, the Christian leader and dealing with pornography and, and those kind of things. What, you know, when you did start dealing with this through mentoring and just kind of starting to get honest and real and, and open about this with, with the right people on that journey, what were some of the, was there some, was there any backlash from within the church? What were some of the repercussions of what, what that looked like that now, I mean, you're not, you're not doing this in a closet right now, Vern, in terms of, you know, you're talking openly here about your, your struggle and your journey. Um, did you personally face any kind of resistance to sort of coming clean and coming, becoming more open about your story and your struggle? Well, absolutely. I, I think there is the myth or the, you know, the image of the shiny church and the shiny pastor. Yeah. We talk about, hey, you know, no perfect people here, but really we want perfect pastors. The pastors are supposed to be the good guys. They're supposed to be the, the guy that the wife can sit looking and going, oh, I wish my husband was like that. They don't want to hear that that guy up front struggles. It's just like her husband, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, I want to hope that somehow I'm going to be transported out of these problems. So they want to come to church for inspiration to be lifted above their problems. And the fact that a pastor is saying he's got problems and struggle kind of messes with the, uh, the, the narrative, so to speak. But yeah. Would you say then that's, uh, that's one of the most common barriers to a pastor actually dealing honestly with whatever his sexual brokenness may be? You know, I, I think there's a number of barriers that make it hard. Um, I mean, if I can just start, first of all, we've just got to uh, acknowledge that pastors, uh, let's bring pastors up to the common waterline of humanity. Pastors are at least as sexual as other people. As, you know, yeah. it might surprise you. Um, pastors have had their own backgrounds, their own girlfriends, their own uh, trauma, their own uh, broken relationships, their, you know, all of that. So if we can just start by saying pastors are at least as sexual as other people. I mean, let's just start bringing up to everyone's level. I mean, only bad things happen in organizations. We're not, you know, we could all think of one where the pastor has to be non-sexual completely. Only bad things happen when, when, when that is the, uh, in my opinion, where things are at. But I would say there's some unique challenges that every pastor faces. Number one, I think pastors, as I've, I've been a pastor for 30 years now, well, 30 years this fall, and I think pastors have among, they have a real strong need for affirmation. Um, you know what? there's a call of God on their life. There's a desire to help other people, but mixed in with that is this. Um, I think oftentimes there's a broken element where pastors need affirmation. And if there is one role right now that is very much without a lot of affirmation, it's the role of pastor. 
because everybody approaches you with a scorecard. Every time somebody says, I feel God is calling us to go to the church uh, down the road, or, you know, uh, every time somebody says, you know, uh, you know, I found you to not do something that I hoped you would do, that affirmation is challenged. So that's the first one. Except, of course, the affirmation we get from porn. Of course, that's always available for us. Uh, that mm-hmm. will make us feel good. Number two is, is that we have job-related realities. You know, this goes back to one of your earlier comments, Jonathan, is we tend to get isolated because, you know, it's hard to find people who really want to be our friends for the sake of being our friends. They still have a scorecard. They still have something they want from us. And the reality is um, when we face, I, I can't tell you how many times at one level that we've faced hurts and woundings and betrayals. It's easy to get defensive and to isolate. And to go, you know what? Um, I'm just going to protect myself here, um, and and that is 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 a job. Um, uh, it's a risk as being part of this job. Um, institutionally, this is the other one: the shiny church syndrome. So many churches want to manage their image. They want, you know, they say it's okay. We want a church of broken people, but we just don't want broken people to be sharing their story on the stage. Except, of course if it's well in the past, that's okay. That's a cool testimony, but uh, we don't want to see it. If it's going to mess with the image that we are shiny and growing and happening and successful. Yeah. I think one of the things that comes out of that a lot of times, and and a lot of what you're talking about, Vern, I think is, are these things that are happening almost on like a kind of a subconscious subculture, cultural level within the church. In other words, they're not things that are ever explicitly said out loud, yeah. but they are, they're the undertones that sort of people who are quote unquote churched kind of know about. They know this is the way things operate. And um, one of the things I like what you're saying is this idea of we'll give lip service to the idea of, oh, we're for broken people. Our doors are open to broken people. But a lot of times right underneath that is, but once you get here, you better get fixed. Yeah. Like once you become part of this club, you better not have any more brokenness anymore. So you can come in broken, but you can't be in you can't you can't be in process or you can't be in process longer than we think you should be in process. And that's what I think can be often a that's I guess what I was talking about in terms of maybe the barrier is when a pastor, like in your in your story, years and years of up and down and backwards and sideways and just you know, two steps forward, three steps back, um, long seasons of, you know, not uh, being victorious in that area. And what is that, where does that leave a pastor when they hear people who are maybe in the field of helping people recover from sexual addictions and they, they hear what the, you know, the, the steps are or what the process is. Mm-hmm. And in the back of their mind, it seems to me like they're thinking, I have no environment where I could ever engage that process. Because if I were to step out to my elders, or if I were to step out, even another person in my church, or, or possibly even somebody completely different in my community, could that get back to my church and then have negative repercussions on me at, in my profession? So can you talk a little bit about all those layers that are part oh of goodness. what pastors struggle with? Well, sometimes it's coached in, well, you know what? 
because of insurance, we can't have, you know, we have to be safe or if, if you're caught with porn on your computer, we have to fire you because, because of insurance policies or, you know, like so, sort of those kind of things. Or here, here's one. Um, you're right. It's subtle. A friend of mine joined a church and he had a struggle in his past with massage parlors and, and it was known, but they said, you know what, going forward, we just kind of want you to not talk about that part of your story because that's not really how we want people to know you. You see how subtly that plays out. Here, here's where it becomes a challenge. When pastors don't have a safe place to turn, they go underground. Mm. I mean, I've had, I've had people say to me, well, if you were still struggling as a pastor, in fact, if you're listening to this right now, you might have said you were still looking at porn on and off. And as a pastor, that's just wrong. You should have resigned and you should have quit. And you do discredit to the pastoral ministry. I mean, I know there's people who would think that. See here, here I and and this was with my wife. I'd asked my wife, "Do you want me to get out of the ministry?" And my wife would say, "What do you feel God say?" Because because she was with me as part of this journey. Now I had a unique situation. I was also the church planter, so maybe I had a little more leeway than some. But but I felt clearly God say to me, "I am going to journey with you through this, and your story is going to be some." part of this grace infused jumble of coming through that I like that two steps forward, three steps back, this process of, of, of struggling to be more Christ-like, like we all are. And in the process, you will have a story to tell, to quote, mm-hmm. uh, you know, John Wimber, I think he used to quote Henry now, and you will be a pastor with a limp. But I tell you, if, if I've been in a church, uh, I'm looking, if I look at a foreign church, I'm looking for somebody, a pastor with a limp. Now it needs to be brought into the open, but uh, I don't need, I need somebody who's honest about where it's at. So uh, for me, if I was a pastor and struggling, I would say find a safe place. I mean, that's partly why I I started the podcast, Pastors on Porn. I know it's a really crazy title, but I was just trying to make, you know, are our pastors talking about porn or <laughs> are pastors on porn? But I just wanted to try to um, allow a safe conversation so people could find some safe places to have this conversation. And I know there's lots of ministries out there, but the church might, you know, your church might not be the first place to turn to. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, when you, when you do, let's say, come alongside a pastor Yep. And um, and they reach out or they just say, man, where do I start? What do I do? How do I start dealing with this? Navigating all of these variables that are part of the the uniqueness of that pastoral position. What direction do you give them? How do you help them? Again, nav- and I, I recognize yeah. every situation is ultimately unique because every local church, every even Absolutely. church polity and all those types of things are going to be different across the board. But in a general sense of what you're trying to help a pastor learn to engage from that unique position, where do you help them start or where do you get them started? Well, number one is, is you're always trying to identify when I talk to pastors, number one, how honest are they? Um, are they still deflecting, blame shifting in self-pity? Um, how honest are they and how engaged are they with the process of change that is going to be needed? You know, by the time they get to me or we're talking, usually they're at a level of some degree of vulnerability. Something from the outside um, has impinged upon their life. 
that wasn't really the case for me. If, if I was going to be honest, Jonathan, I mean, they say 70% of guys, this is not just pastors, everybody um, only change when an external force forces them to change. But I changed my 25, I'm one of the 25% of guys who I feel I changed because of the heavy hand of God. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that is a better way to go. But, I, but to answer your question, Jonathan, I would start in concentric circles. You start with them as a person. You sit down with them. You hear your story. You begin to understand how much of a picture do they have. From then it involves, of course, then it involves their wife and their relationship. And sometimes that has been kept secret for years. And that needs to happen through a proper process of therapeutic disclosure. And then it moves in. I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about going to your church or your denomination or your board. Then I'm talking with a trusted counselor. And eventually, as the recovery goes along, you may get to a point where you've been in recovery for a year that you say, you know what, I can now begin to share my story. But I've seen and I've heard stories where, where even then someone says, you know what, that story and your story is not something we want for our church. Mm. And then I would say, well, you know what, at some point you have to decide if I can't lead out of my story, my greatest strength is my authenticity. And my greatest um, qualifications is in one sense, my, my, the hope that comes through journeying out of brokenness. And if I can't share that, then what do I have to share as a pastor? Yeah. Me, you know, and and then, then you have to decide if the environment you're in truly is grace-infused and, um, and you can journey or you need to, you know, God takes you to a different setting. That's possible as well. And I think a lot of what you're talking about here is the difference between is the spiritual and discipleship environment of that church going to, going to drift towards academia yeah. Or is it going to drift towards being a spirit-filled, you know, transformational church? And and I think it's a, that's a scary thing because let's be honest, if we're going to really be about in, inviting the Spirit of God into our places of brokenness, well, in order to do that as a community, you have to actually bring those things out into the light. And I think for a pastor especially, who we expect to be an example we don't want him necessarily to lead in that way. We're like, no, we want you to be an example of perfection, not of what the process looks like. Absolutely. And so speak a little bit. I'd, I'd love for you to speak a little bit to the congregant because I can imagine that this conversation even right here, right now could be triggering for a lot of people who are saying, wait a second, isn't that like spiritual, uh, like, abuse of some kind or isn't it like you're in a position of authority and if you're if you've got these secrets and you're still trying to bring the word of god and you know and of course we have seen gross mishandlings of that position where there has been Absolutely. a misuse of authority that dominates a person that's under that authority in a in a terrible way um, i think what we're talking about here is more of the if I could put it this way, like the private struggle of that pastor, we're, I, we're not necessarily getting into like, okay, this pastor has violated somebody in their congregation. Yes. I think that's a whole nother conversation of how things like that are dealt with. Yeah, what would I you say though, to the congregant who is maybe feeling like, I don't know if I like what you're saying, Vern, about a pastor going through this process and not being sort of kicked through the curb, uh, you know, kicked out of his pastorate. 
Well, I guess to the congregant, we have to, you know, like, for example, there was a gal in, in, in the church, and I've shared openly on three or four occasions in different contexts my struggle with porn uh, into the Sunday morning congregation. I've done that in the context of different topics or journeying of healing in different areas. But I, for example, I knew there's a gal whose husband had been involved in child pornography and he was in prison. And so I went and talked to her and I said, no, this could be, this could be triggering for you. I knew her story, but I, but I, I think it's helpful to say, let's just clarify here. I'm not talking about uh, uh, sexual offenses, which are illegal, or I'm not talking about, um, you know, offenses involving crossing relational boundaries of people in the church or in those areas. Um, those, those require different levels of, of, you know, just, working out in a congregation, I am simply saying, do you want a church? And I would say to a person where your pastor can say, I am struggling with my fallen humanity. And and I would talk to people and most people, eight out of 10 would say, you know what, when I hear your struggles, it actually doesn't demoralize me. It actually encourages me that I can, um, I can journey through this mm-hmm. and there's hope. Uh, I'm not vomiting on everybody and I've come far enough in my journey that I'm not talking about, you know, yesterday I struggled with, with lusting after so on. You know, I don't do any of those kind of things, but I do talk about, you know what, when you start feeling shaky in your recovery, what do you do when you start feeling, you know, like anything else, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, I find more people in today want authenticity. It attracts a lot more people than it repels. And I'll say this, Vern, one of the things that I've found over the years in that regard is um, there, I believe, is a lot more respectability for the person who's willing to be honest about their journey than the person who's pretending. Yes. And so, um, you know, we've only got a few minutes left, Vern, but what I would love for you to do is just any other thoughts of encouragement that you would have either for the pastors out there who are struggling or maybe the congregants who are feeling triggered and then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, where would you like to point our listeners to be able to get more, more resources from you? You know, I, I, part of my journey, I, I do love working to people. I've, I hope you don't battle with this for 50 years like I have. Um, I battled in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and it was in the, only into my 50s before I began to experience real freedom. Uh, I actually do a, a bit of a talk and teaching on how porn presents at different stages of our life. And you can find out more about that if you go. Uh, I have two podcasts. One is called Pastors on Porn, which is for those in the ministry. But another one is just called Finding Traction. And in the Finding Traction podcast under my name, uh, there's a picture of a, a tire with spikes on it. Uh, we talk about how the journey looks. And, and I just hope that out of my story and my journey, people can find hope, they can find healing. Uh, you know, I've got something to share. It may not connect with everybody, but um, as I move through this season of life, especially if you are in ministry and you don't have a place to turn, um, you're going to find a listening ear from me. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find somebody who understands what it's like to have the call of God on your life but also have all of these other things that make you feel um, like you can't make it day to day. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm just excited to, to hear about um, this ministry. And uh, I've enjoyed the podcast that you've done, uh, Jonathan. And uh, so thank you guys for the opportunity to 
share yeah. So uh, the, the, pastors yeah, the, on porn and finding traction, are there links for those or do you just do them on a podcast catcher or? Just do a podcast catcher. But if you want a real simple way, go to bandofbrothers.care.care and that will take you to the curriculum that will take you to the podcast. And you'll also be able to download some of the information, those worksheets about um, struggling at different ages. So bandofbrothers.care. Yeah. So we'll make sure that that link is in our, in our show notes and that our listeners have access to that. But Vern, first of all, thanks for being willing to be vulnerable and open about your own story. And then also thanks for being willing to use that to, to sort of break the ice for other pastors who also need to enter that space of healing and growth. And thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. You're welcome. God bless. Well, and listeners, you know, we're always glad that you're with us and we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.